God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for, um, man, your goodness and your mercy that extends to us even when we're not extending towards you. Uh, Father, um, I know so many times I can take my eyes off of you, and when I do that, you know, before I know it, I'm in the weeds, and I'm lost, and it feels like I'm lost. And um, God, in those moments, we have to cling to your word, your truth that says you never let go of us, even if we let go of you. And Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room that they would have uh, comfort and encouragement in that. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting, lonely, um, broken, God. I pray for the depressed and the angry, God. I pray you would soften hard hearts so that they can hear your word and how much you love them. Um, Father, I pray for those that don't know you but are here because, you know, they hear your call. I pray today would be the day that you reveal yourself to them in a way they can't deny. And uh, Lord, forgive me, uh, man, for all my junk and my sin that gets in the way of uh, my ability to focus on you and help me to preach your word and only your word and i'll give you all the all the glory in jesus christ name we pray amen how you guys doing today that's really exciting awesome well hey uh we finished our series last month last month boy see i'm not awake last week and man i have so many fun series uh set up you get to hear some other people preach too which is good and exciting um not too good, too exciting, right? Because, you know, you'll miss me. But I'm, I'm really excited about that. But today I want to talk about something to kind of set up for me the rest of the year. Um, we're in a pretty exciting time at our church. And uh, some of you are new here. And that's awesome because you're coming at a very exciting time. And um, God's doing some amazing things here. He's doing some amazing things in this country. And even though everything seems kind of dark and even though things seem, I don't know, all that the media wants to talk about is the fights, right, and the arguments and the disagreements and all the darkness and there's war and there's scary stuff and all that kind of stuff. In the midst of that time is, is when the harvest is ripe, you know what I mean, and that God is doing things. And I really believe that in this country particularly, um, it's funny. I heard a story once, and I've never looked into this to see if it's true. So if any of you know this to be fact, talk to me after if you can find me when I'm hiding. It's like, where's Waldo? Um, but I've heard that, it's so funny, we send a lot of missionaries to other countries, but I've heard that in the last few years, other countries are sending missionaries here. Isn't that interesting? And I believe it because, um, yeah, this, there's a lot of people in this Christianized uh, country that really struggle to, uh, you know, see how blind they are, right? Uh, they think because they've heard the name Jesus, and they know him even, maybe they believe that he exists and who he is, that that's, that that's it, that's enough, and it's not. And they're missing out. And so I think what God's doing in this country, and I really believe this, is all across the country, I believe there are a lot of churches that are stripping away a lot of things and trying to get back to the heart of what this is all about. And um, in order to do that, though, remember, the church is made up of us, people. And in order for those things to happen, we're going to have to get on board. And that means that when we come to church and we gather together, whether it's here or a different place, is we have to come in willing to be changed by God not waiting for God to change everyone else. You get what I mean? Because that's a real thing. Do you come here ready for God to change your direction maybe? Or do you come here, you know, hoping he'll change your spouse or your friend or your brother, sister, mom, dad, you know, dog, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, I think that's happening here, and I'm excited about what God's allowing us to do at this church. And if you're here, you know, I hope you get on board because the train's leaving. That's what we say around here. Right, Greg? And, uh, yeah. 
We've got a lot of exciting things. So that being said, I think it's important that we sort of set the stage for the stage of life our church is in. And uh, because it's different, you know, churches are kind of like people. They go through stages, right? You're kind of like in your infancy stage, and you're born, and then you're, you make your way into your teens where everyone's a punk, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So what got me thinking about this, have you ever had God bring something to your attention, and you're not, you know it sticks with you, but it doesn't really make itself known why until like weeks or months later? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. A few weeks ago, and honestly, it could be months, but sometime within the last 30 to 60 days, I stumbled upon a, uh, a video on the gram. That's how the cool kids say Instagram. Stay off it. It's disastrous. But um, they read your mind, and they, they know what you're into. Isn't that creepy? And uh, I came across this video of this guy, and he, it's funny because it's not a fancy setup. He's just looking at kind of like real talk. Uh, which was encouraging in a way, because we're always like, is this a weird setup? He's looking right at the camera, no fancy lights, and he starts talking. I've watched a couple of his videos before, and I kind of swam through them, and he, uh, for some reason, I stopped on this video. And in this video, he's kind of a pretty hard truth teller, which I appreciate. One of the things was his testimony in the same video, and I thought it was pretty neat. This guy didn't know, um, didn't know, wasn't a Christian, uh, got his, his, his wife, him, this girl that he started dating, kind of on a one-night stand, got her pregnant. They got married, or they didn't get married. They stayed together for a long time. And then somewhere along the line, they had their kid. And then he said, he just knew, I don't know if you heard a sermon or a verse, I can't remember, but God telling him, you've got to change your life. Your life's affecting other people, right? And not only that, but you've got to, you know, you're headed for a bad place. And so he did. And then he got to lead his his girlfriend who became his wife to the Lord, and then weird thing, like nine months later, this is how God works, they go from there, nine months later, I think they're in Nepal or somewhere like that, they go on a mission field, they just move, or Africa, somewhere like that, and what stuck out to me about this story is where he started saying that, well, this sets up the story that stuck in my mind, and as you can tell, I'm not quite as eloquent today because it's still messing with me a little, and I'm not sure why, and hopefully today we'll figure it out together. It's one of those videos that I listen to, and it's probably a minute and 30. They're not long, and it's stuck in my head. It might have even been less. And honestly, when I tell you what it is, it's not some spectacular story. So I, I want to get your expectations right ahead of time. This is not about, you know, flying saucers or something crazy and incredible. But it's, and it's something we've all heard before, and we kind of hear, and yeah, it's cool, but we move on. But for some reason, this time, it, I, can't, I can't get it out of my head. I haven't even talked to a lot of people about it. And I'm not entirely sure why, but I knew God was speaking to me in some way, and that it meant something. And so as I was preparing this week, it kind of came back. And then I started thinking about myself. And believe it or not, when I'm preaching, 99% of the time, and I only say that because I'm human, I'm preaching to myself. I really am. <clears throat> and I started thinking about what it meant for me. So I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'll get into it. So in this story, when he was over in this foreign country, and this guy's theology is pretty conservative. And, I, and what's the conservative theology? Well, we'll talk about that too, how we have what we call conservative theology, which just means people who believe God doesn't move as miraculously as he does, I think, sometimes. Um, makes it more understandable. So he's over there, and that's what makes this kind of interesting. Is he's not charismatic, but he said he was over in this country, and he said it's so matter of fact. 
And he said that he was praying. They were praying for someone who was deaf. And they prayed, and there was a pop, and the person could hear. Now, we're not talking kind of deaf, completely deaf. <clears throat> and two things went through my head immediately. One, I thought to myself, that little, that immediate voice is like, yeah, did that really happen? Don't you hate that, that that pops in your head? And I'm going to get really loud and then really quiet because I'm going to wake all the sleepy people up. My voice is too soothing. I see you sleeping. Hey! I'm just doing weird stuff. I'm not as loud as Greg. <laughs> see, don't make me do that. It's embarrassing for me. It's embarrassing for you. All right? <clears throat> Pretend I'm a playoff football game. Here we go. Um, so I thought of that, and the first reason, I was like, okay, why don't I believe it? But that, that honestly was just there for a second because what I felt was like the first thing I asked myself was, man, that would be amazing to see. Right? I believe it. And then he started going into it, and it wasn't even the main topic of his video. That's how I knew God had something. And he said, you know, well, people say, well, why does that stuff not happen in America? And he brought up a good point, and I want to talk about this. Miracles in the, in the New Testament, Old Testament, um, a little different. God was showing himself, but 99% of the time, when God did what we consider a miracle, something crazy, it was a lot of times to establish that the person he had sent to give the message was from him, even the apostles. He didn't give the apostles those gifts just because, and this is where you get confused, because everybody's going to go around and do everything the apostles did. He had to specially, right, empower, the Holy Spirit specially empower the, the apostles because they were starting the church. They had to speak with authority. They had to know what's the proof. The Bible even says that, that signs and wonders accompany them, right, to prove their power, paraphrasing. So that's good and that's true, and, that, and, and he wasn't discounting that things happen here because, of course, the second thing is what his point was. He thinks things are going to happen here, and I think things do, and it all comes down to that word. What's the word when people say, hey, you want to have a miracle, you got to have what? Faith, yeah, faith. There's a problem when Sydney's the loudest one. I'm going to tell you right now because she is not. I got teary-eyed and started thinking to myself, we'll come back to that. Why? That would be so powerful to witness. And some of you in this room have said to yourself, if I could see something like that, I would believe. The Bible says differently. Because people saw those miracles. People were fed, healed, and they still rejected him. Because what happens is, and you're like, well, what do you mean? Is When we see those things happen a lot of times, all it does, if, you're not, is, is, if you don't truly have your faith in Jesus, all it does is make you Go, well, where is he at now? The first time something bad comes, the first time a challenge comes, you're going to say, and he doesn't come through the way you want him to, where's my bread? I'm hungry again. <clears throat> but that would be powerful to witness. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't want to see that. And you do too. <clears throat> and we watch videos on it, and we think it's incredible. And, I, and it is, and we'll get excited. And, but have you ever stopped to think for a second? Why you, and I'm talking to the believers in the room, it doesn't matter how, whether you think you're a good Christian or not. If you believe in Jesus, he loves you, you're his kid, you're holy, you're sanctified, so I'm, I'm talking to you. Why do we like to hear stories like that? Why does that speak to us? Why does that make us teary-eyed? Why do they impact us? Why do we like hearing them? And then I turn to the real reason. Why do I, Todd, like hearing those? The easy answer is that I like to be reminded that God still does miracles, right? That's probably yours too. Hey, and that is because it makes it easier to believe. 
we want our, our faith strengthened, and so it would be cool to see that because then everything we believe would become more real. But you know what I think you probably would do, what I would do, is I would just make excuses again. I would come up with a coincidence because it's never enough. And that's why some of you in the room ignore the miracles that have already happened in your life because it's not enough. Where's my bread? That's not the point today. But I don't think that that's all of it, that it's just that we want to be made to believe that God has the power and, and moves in miraculous ways and can move in miraculous ways. Because I think if you're a Christian in the room, and stay with me because I'm, I'm processing with you, we, not, we already have accepted and we believe that there is a God and that he sent the Messiah and that he died on the cross, was raised from the dead, he did everything he said. So we believe that God has the power to do what he did. So is it really that we want to be reminded of his power? We already believe that. You're here in this church. You got up. That's early for some of you, right? You got up in time to be here. So you have, you, you, you already believe. So it can't just be that. And the same with me. It can't just be that. I believe. So that got me thinking, stay me if we come back to this, of one of the stories in the gospel that's always impacted me, and I get teary-eyed, and I did. I brought this up just a few months ago. It wasn't even in my notes. Because it, no matter how many times I read it, it strikes me. Because this happened. It's not a story. It's not a, um, you know, it's not a fairy tale or a fable. It actually happened. And it involves the leper. And in case you missed it, and I don't want to assume you know this, right? Some of the people are like, Todd, you've heard this 17 times. Well, there's someone that hasn't, so I'm going to talk about it. So in Jesus' time, a good Jew, right, at this, at this point in their life, they had began to believe that their concept of sin had gotten kind of convoluted. And they started to believe that when someone got a disease, like this, leprosy. Have you ever seen pictures of leprosy, by the way? What a, we should be very thankful that that is no longer around. <clears throat> but they began to think, well, either that person sinned in the womb or their parents' sin affected them. Now, before we all say, well, that's ridiculous, we still think that. Something bad happened to you because you sinned. Ten years ago. So because of that, they believe it wasn't just they could catch leprosy, they could catch sin, right? And they had their laws about being clean and unclean. And, and when those laws originally, when God originally kind of established them, this, it was for their protection, but it had grown. It got to the point of like, not only should we not touch them, we can't be anywhere near them and all these other things. So a good Jew would never approach someone that had that kind of disease. Not just because they're gross, but because... Not only do I want to not catch leprosy, I don't want to catch that sin. I don't want to catch that thing, that'll, that vile thing. They must have done something bad. They're bad people. They would not be touched. They couldn't even be, and I don't remember, some of you out there may know this off the top of your head, within so many feet. So Jesus, and depending on, it's in three of the four Gospels. And before you say, well, the story's different. It's not different. It's different perspectives, and people give more detail or less depending on, you know, their point in telling the story. So one of the stories, they put it directly after he calls Peter. So he comes to Peter and says, hey, don't worry. You're going to be a fisherman of men. Follow me. And Peter's like, all right, I'll do that. And it says, the next thing you know, we'll pick up there. Mark 1, starting in verse 39, going through 42. Mark chapter 1, verse 39 through 42. When you got it, say got it. Perfect. It's on, it'll be on the screen. We don't have it? That's okay. Good. There we go. <laughs> and he went through into all of Galilee preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, and said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. 
I like my version here better. It says, Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. He went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So when you think of clean, they mean ceremonially clean. He can worship in the temple again. He can, because they couldn't even do that. Couldn't be at church. hundred reasons I can tell you. I love this story so much. One is the fact that, and I brought this up the other week, right? Jesus met his need before he even answered him. A need he didn't even know he needed. He touched him before he cleaned him. Now, some of you in the room was like, well, I don't get it. Think about that. He had never been hugged. How many years had it been? Touched. His hand shook, even treated as a human. And he thinks he's coming down. Who knows how far away he was? Maybe probably far enough away that he's supposed to be. Maybe he stood back here, right, to Sean and fell on his knees and said, if you're willing. And Jesus walks to him and touches him. Why? Because he was moved with compassion. And then he said, be me clean. He met the need and then met a need he didn't even ask for, which is a touch. And it's powerful to me for, for two other reasons, though. And, and this will come back to our main point. Jesus stopped to heal the leper. He was on his way. He was casting out demons. And it seems like it's way more important. And before you go, no, it isn't. Yeah, you would. You would think that. There's a bunch of demons roaming around, all right? tearing everything apart, and Jesus was here on his way there, and then he stopped to deal with a guy with a cold. You'd be like, what is this guy doing? We got demons over here, right? He stopped to heal the leper. And in the grand scheme of things, let this sink in. This man is just a footnote in history. See, you, believe, you and I believe he existed for our Bible. That's not true. God used this moment for us. But do you think that's what he was thinking of? You think Jesus, all he was thinking of was like, man, this is going to be a good story in my book. No, he saw a man with need. In the grand scheme of things, this man was a footnote in history. We don't even know his name. He wasn't important by the world's standards. And we all sit here and say, oh, I would see him and I would love him. You probably wouldn't and neither would I. And we would walk by and he's unimportant. We don't know his name and yet Jesus saw him and moved in his life in a need that he had. That's, that impacts me. And then I said, why, why, did he, why did Jesus move in this man's life? Well, he moved to prove he was the Messiah. You guys, that... That's a, we, we think Jesus couldn't operate on different levels here. Yeah, he knew what it was going to do for us. He knew what it was going to do for the people, but he had a purpose for this man. Why did he do it? This man who didn't have the Holy Spirit, listen to me. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The gift of faith is already given to you, right? Your faith is there and strengthened because of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have that. He didn't. And yet... He showed this kind of faith and believe in Jesus. He, he somehow had the faith... To come to him and say, on his own broken humanness, you can help me. This man did not have the promised Holy Spirit. Didn't have that kind of faith and believe in Jesus and in God. He didn't. And yet he had the faith to believe God could and would move in his life. 
That's why I want to throw podiums, because I look out at a bunch of people, and my biggest fear at this church is as we grow, and it's funny, because it's not you guests. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you so much. It's the people that have been here for 10 years. You make me so mad. You think I'm throwing podiums at the new people. I'm not. I'm throwing podiums at you, because you're becoming what you said you would never be, which is the same old Christian, listens to the same old thing, and thinks the same old way, because guess what? You've heard Todd 50 times, so you already know, which is exactly why today is important. Because much of the drudgery, stay back, remember that, that story, okay? Remember those reasons I just told you. Much of the drudgery of our faith, drudgery, what a good word, right? The bleh, uh, right? Bleh, bleh, I can't even have a word for it, right? It's like walking through mud and quicksand. The, the kind of like, it's not bad, but it's certainly not good. And it's like, mm, a bunch of spoiled brats. That's how some of you show up to church. I'm here. I don't, you can't expect me to pay attention, Todd. I'm already here, right? I just am always like, dude, if you ain't going to pay attention, what are you doing here? You already, I mean, I'd be home sleeping. Seriously, I'm not being a snot. If I wasn't here to, to have God move and worship him, I would stay home. I don't like anybody enough to get up in the morning and come sit and listen to a guy that I don't believe is actually going to tell me anything. I don't. So I'm always confused by that. Maybe it's because I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't understand that pressure. But much of the drudgery of our faith is because we don't really live out of the faith. Listen, this is the important. Here's your thesis statement. You like that? Remember school? boring yeah we don't really live out of the faith that god still that god still moves in this world and moves in our lives and you're all gonna go yes i do no you don't you don't and i don't we don't actually believe he's still active and moves in this world like this and you want to know how i can tell you right now you all of you going yes i do i'm gonna okay ask yourself this question don't answer it out loud before you say yes i do ask yourself this question do you actually believe that God loves you like he did Noah, Moses, and David, and that he is just as active in the world today as he was when he was splitting seas and talking through bushes and, and putting people in whales and all of the other, and letting a little boy kill a giant. Do you actually believe that he could and still does those kinds of things? You know the answer. So do I. I don't. And you come up with all the excuses in the world, and the beautiful thing is there's pastors including me at times, and other people who are going to give you reasons and good excuses why that's okay and why you should just let it go and make excuses for the king of the universe. Answer it honestly. Do you really believe he's as active in the world today, in America, in this church, right now, in this moment, that he is here and as present as he was with Moses or David or Noah or the prophets? Do you really believe that? You don't. And that's why the verse... And Mandy brought this up briefly during one of her prayers. And it's true, it's in there. Moses would have longed to see the days that you are in. Oh, that's a neat verse. That's the crazy thing. Many of you, including myself, the answer is probably no if you're honest. Now, intellectually, and this is where you get confused. Intellectually, you say, well, I believe in God, so I believe he still is. But in your heart, you don't. You don't, and, that, and I'm not here to shame you about it. I struggle with it too, and that's what I want to talk about today because that's not the option because guess what you're believing? See, what a lot of people believe, even Christians, is God made everything. The Bible came through. He did all these miraculous things, so he kind of rolled the ball like a bowling ball, and then he went home, and he'll come back someday to get the ball again. Right? Or some people in the past have called it like a clock. He's the great clock worker. He made the clock, set it. It's tick, 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 ticking. You know what that's called? It's called deism. 
right? A lot of our founding fathers believed that. A lot of them weren't Christians. Some of them were, right? But the reality is they believed in a God, but they believed he was no longer active here. He just kind of set over the stage, created it, and then walked away. And you and I live in the same reality. Maybe if we beg enough, maybe if we're good enough, maybe if we stay away from sin enough, maybe if we plead enough, just maybe he might sometimes help us with that bill. But he's certainly not going to move in this. And here's, how, here's another clue how I know I don't, and maybe this will speak to you, is if that's the case, why do I live in fear? Why am why? Why am I afraid of what's going to happen in a, in a situation or a moment? Why do I doubt? Why do I have to take control? Why do I live in anxiety? If you really believe that, because some of you are like, well, I don't understand Moses, man. <laughs> if I was there, I'd have listened to him. Would you? We don't. We, right now, we're just talking about it. I'm ta- maybe it's just me. I'm preaching to Todd. See, what we have is in this world, and there's really, I don't know, man. <sighs> I got to be careful here, and I'm processing with you. This is why I'm not a great, great pastor. There are incredible men of God that are pretty famous that preach the word of God, and I admire them so much, and I believe that they're saints. But sometimes I feel like in their attempt to stop um, charlatans and their attempt to, to, you know, make sure everyone focuses and keeps their, their faith based on the truth of the Bible, which you should, but they take away the miraculous. They take the super out of the supernatural. They try to make a supernatural God natural. Because the only way that he can be who he is is if I can understand it. It's like he just set up creation and got the ball rolling and then walked off. I think that way. But it's funny. And this is, where, this is me being very transparent kind of twisted. I'll think he won't move in miraculous ways to meet needs I have, but I think he'll move in ways to punish me. Right? He'll move in ways to, to teach me a lesson. Today's going to be a little different as far as my process, so you're going to see how Todd thinks, and I hope we all don't get lost. All right? So stay with me. It'll connect. So that got me thinking, what is faith? What is that? What is faith actually? What is, what is, why do we doubt that God can, not even can, does and is willing and wants to interact in our lives directly? Why? Well, we've based everything in this faith around ourselves. And we know what we're capable of and not capable of, and that just kind of bleeds into him. And before you say, I don't do that, Todd, yeah, you do, you do, and so do I. Whenever we don't do what he tells us to do, whenever you come up with all the excuses why you don't have to go to church or pray or read the Bible, and blah, 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 and by the way, I can say that because I used to be that guy, right, Andy? I'm allowed to call people out on that because I was that guy. All you're doing is justifying your rebellion and then saying, where's the miracle worker? People don't realize that when you take parts of this out, when you say to, when we think, I'll talk about Todd, when I allow myself to think that God no longer moves in his creation, that he interacts in our lives, that he may save us, but that's it. And then it's just kind of waiting until he comes back to get the ball, right, till the rapture. When I do that, I'm not believing in the God of the Bible. I'm not. I'm believing in a God that I've been told about or that I've created. 
What do you mean, Todd? Well, listen, if you don't, it doesn't matter what trait you take away from God. If you take one trait or don't believe in one trait or put your faith in one trait, whether it's love, his omnipotence, his power, his sovereignty, you know, all, you take one thing away, it's not the God of the Bible anymore. You get that? And that's the, and this isn't to shame us, it's to, why is that? Because here's the reality, I need God to move in my life still. I need to know that he's not going to come up to me every time I, I say, Lord, help me and go, all right, leper, I'm going to tell you all the sins you've done before I clean you, and I need to know that you are completely forgiven. Come back in two months after you've gone through your discipline, and I will then heal you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that in the story. There's not even a mention of it. That doesn't mean the sin wasn't important, does it? It means that God moves in that moment. So if, if I'm already forgiven, you're forgiven, he sees Jesus when he looks at you, this is what he did for a leper that we don't even know where his faith was except we know he had enough faith to come and find him and say, help me. If he did that for him, what should he be willing to do for us? And part of the issue is, did Jesus heal every leper in Israel? Some of you are going, I don't know. Well, he didn't. So was he any less good? That's hard, isn't it? It's hard for me. That sounds great. You're like, yeah, well, of course not until you're the leper he didn't heal. Did that mean he didn't love them? You have to have faith in the miraculous. You have to believe that. The miraculous. Because if you don't, this faith is very gross and ugly, and that's why you go to sleep. That's why you go to sleep. I'm going to tell you right now, man, you go to sleep, and I go to sleep, right, if I was listening to you maybe. No, I wouldn't because I'd be home in bed. I wouldn't be here. Anyway, you know why you go to sleep? Because you don't actually know, or I shouldn't say that. You're not living in the reality of the God of the Bible. Because if you thought the same God that was in a burning bush that talked to Moses, can you imagine Moses falling asleep while he's talking to him? Moses, take off thy shoes. We wouldn't do that. And I'm not I'm mocking you a little. All of us do it, right? We get tired. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. What I'm saying is we, I do it. You, when it becomes the same old thing, which is what happens when you come and hear a book that has some advice for my life, but really the best book is 12 Habits of Highly Successful People, right? And that's a great book. But my point is if when we approach our faith that way, it very quickly loses the miraculous. He's not a living God anymore. He's a dusty old dead God in a dusty old book written 2,000, 8,000 years ago, right? So I started thinking about that. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Some of you all love it. You probably know this. Think about what this actually says. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In the context, he's talking about love, and he says, listen, miracles, this is interesting and ironic, miracles are going to pass away, and prophecy is going to end. Why? Why does he say that? Because you won't need it anymore. You won't need miracles if you're in the presence of God, right? People won't need that. You don't need prophecy anymore because I'll just go up and ask him, right? We'll be in his presence. So he says all these things, but he says, you know, I want, I want you to know something. Three things are still going to be here even in eternity. Faith, hope, and love. Have you ever let yourself think about that? That we are living and have access to something that is eternal. Faith, hope, and love will always be here. Always. For eternity. On and on and on. What's eternity? It never ends. So it's pretty important. Think about this. Stay with me. So let's talk about the words faith, hope, and love. 
What is hope? When we think about hope, I want to start there because we're like, I hope that I'm a, I'm a, I just did this yesterday and I got convicted as I, you know, thought about it today. I often say, man, I hope, I, I think I even told AJ, I hope God shows up. What a gross thing I said. I hope he shows up. It's like flipping a coin. I said that, right? Because I'm so aware of how not qualified and gifted I am to do this stuff, truly. So I'm like, yeah, I hope he shows up because if he doesn't, I'm in big trouble. But that's not, and that's how a lot of you think, so I'm not alone in this. But our definition of hope is not the same definition as the biblical definition of hope. The two words in the Old Testament and the New, it doesn't matter. Just trust me and go look it up, right? The Hebrew and the, and the, and the Greek and all these, the, the, the words have a different context. Instead of hope, in our case, meaning something like, it might happen, but I have my doubts, right? But I hope it does. It means there is no doubt. I'm looking forward to a thing in which there is no doubt. Is that, do you understand the subtle difference? That's what that word means. So faith, hope is looking forward to the good that God has promised us, knowing that it's coming. So instead of it being like it might happen, I view it like the hope I have on when I'm looking, when I was a kid and I saw presents in the morning and I'm like, man. I am very hopeful about these gifts. They're already there, right? But I'm excited about what I'm going to open. I'm looking forward to it. That's hope, okay? Love. Well, there you go. You know what love is, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. All these beautiful things. Agape. That's what love is. God is love. Scripture tells us that, too. We, lo- we only love, your little goo-goo-ga-ga love for your girlfriend or boyfriend only exists in some minor form or husband because God first loved you. You even recognize what it is. Okay, so there's love. So what is faith? Faith is the belief that God is going to bring fruition because he loves us, the things we hope for. Faith is very simple. It's trusting God. It's trusting. It's trusting what? And this is how they're connected. That he is going to bring what we're hoping for, what we know is coming, right? Remember the time when there will be no tears and crying anymore? Faith that he still moves in our lives. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Faith is believing in that. In fact, Hebrews 11.1, many of you know this, right? What is faith? Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. I like ESV in this. One, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance. I know it's going to happen. I believe it, right? If, if the reason I will take a step off of this is because I know the ground is going to be there. I don't even think about it. Like when I walk out of the stage later, probably I'm not going to think about it. Maybe I'll think if I'm on a trip, but I don't think the ground's not going to be there. I know the ground's going to be there. There it is. See, I don't look at it. I don't even need to look. I know it's going to be there. That's what faith is, which is why we can obey and follow and trust. And that's why, you know, this is going to, should convict you because it does me. So if that's the case, why do we sin? Why do we disobey God or not, you know, do what we're not supposed to do and not do what we're supposed to do? Because in those moments, what are we really doubting? That the, that the floor is going to be here. 
that what he said he's going to do, which is take care of us, the good for us, we're just doubting it's going to happen. I'll connect this with. Okay, so that's faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's going to be here forever. Drop down to verse 6 in Hebrews. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Right there it is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, you want to be close to God, you must believe, one, that he exists, and this is where it gets separated. This is why we, some of us should be convicted. We must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What is reward? Why would he reward those who seek him? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. It's hard to understand why I don't believe that God moves the way he did in the Old Testament, the New Testament. I get mad at myself because I'm a psychopath. I am, right? I'm a psychopath, and so are some of you, which is why I get so mad and I just want to throw podiums. I'm not even mad that you're sleeping or you're not going to church or all those things. Some of y'all think, I don't really care. Prideful Todd, what drives me mad is the lunacy that you live in. Because if I see it myself, you, you, I'm, I'm going to offend you, might as well. You're a lunatic. You're crazy because you have a God you believe in, right? You say you believe in, but only when you choose to. So who's really God? I go when I feel like I go when I don't. I need to rest. I got this. I got that. I got this. Blah, blah, blah. That, that, I, I understand I'm crazy. Some of you all don't understand you're crazy. You're crazy because you, you, you halfway follow something that said you have to die to yourself. If you have to die to yourself, like these are just little things I think about myself. If you have to die to yourself, do you think that means you're going to have to do things you don't want to do? Maybe. Yes. Faith is trusting that those things you don't want to do are worth it because he sees the good in it. Faith is saying that those things you want, that in the moment can fill your need, that might for just a second make you feel better, but he has told you don't. Faith is saying, okay, even though that will make me feel better right now, I'm going to go here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. The leper could have went somewhere else. He could have went to a, an old, I don't know, I was going to say witch, but it could be. He could go to some person that gives him a salve that he puts on his skin, right, and I'll feel better today. And he probably would. He'd feel better today. And he would miss the miracle. Faith is really believing and trusting God. And you ready for this? I'm going to make it very simple. Because we all say you know it. Faith is believing God loves you. Because you already believe he exists. Some of you. Faith is believing that God loves you enough to care about your test, kids. That God loves you enough to care about your boyfriend and your girlfriend situation. That God loves you enough to care about the fact that your marriage is in shambles. That God loves you enough to care about the fact that your finances are down. And here's the crazy thing. Faith also says that if he loves you enough, right, if he loves you and is involved in that, is he just going to leave that? He's just going to let you sit in that? If he loves you, would you do that for a person you love? And you're not even good, right? That's what God tells us. I think at Romans 8.28, 
He says this, listen to this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for the good, for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. That's the key. The reality is, we may have to suffer in the short term sometimes. The crazy part about the miracle of the, the, the person that this guy uh, healed in this other country, the craziest part about it, you ready, is in order for the miracle to happen, for them to be able to hear, he had to be deaf. In order for him to walk away, him or her, and I believe this, right, to walk away and say, this God is real, they had to be deaf. Now, you and I can sit and look at them and say how beautiful that God met them in their need and proved himself to them. But in the midst of being deaf for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years to that person, if they focused on the situation, right, we can see the good in them. But if we focus on the situation, that's kind of cruel. But you got to remember, God is not finite. He doesn't sit in our hundred years if we're lucky. He is everywhere all at once. He's in the future. He's in that moment. All of this stuff matters to him. But what matters to him more is your good. And I tell this story all the time. And again, that's why like, I don't, it's so ironic, Lord, that you have me in a church. <clears throat> it's way easier to preach to non-believers because they actually are like, this is incredible. And we're all like, I know, man rose from the dead, duh, right? It's so incredible. When I think of my daughter, this happens all the time. She is certainly my daughter. If you have not met her, she's a sweet little angel until she gets impatient. Okay? I don't know where she gets that from. 100% it's me. So she, and she is so bullheaded. And I bring it up all the time because it's, I, I have been changed. People used to say, man, when you have a kid, you're going to really understand God's love. I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. You're not any smarter than me. And now I'm going, yep, I get it. Because, here's an example, I enjoy a nice fan on me if I'm sleeping, okay? I like the sound, I like to be cool, so I have a fan on. She may come in, I may forget to turn the fan off, or maybe it's hot, and I just, we have the fan on. And she will go up and go, ah, look at me, and put her finger towards the fan, and every time. And I will say, no, All right? And I read this thing where I'm not supposed to just say no because it you know, crushes their curiosity. So I'll say things like, even though that's fun, we're not going to do that, right? See, I'm trying. And I will grab her and move her, and I promise you. I've never met anyone except my daughter who's more stubborn than me, and I'm not kidding. She beat me, and that's hard to admit. She has beat me before, not in the fan situation, but in other situations where I'm like, she's never going to stop. Fine, you win. And then I walk away going, I really won because I'm more mature, right? But I, I, that's not true. So she puts her hand in, and I grab her, and I move her over and over and over and over and over again. And then she'll eventually get enraged, right? And, and screaming and crying. Listen to this. This has to matter to us. If you want to understand and get to where the miracles were, which I'm going to talk about, you have to get this point. We don't see the end result. We only see the fan that looks appealing. We don't think about the fact that, you know, she doesn't understand if I put, because she's all happy, but here's the crazy thing. If I let her put her finger in that, I already know. She's going to look at me like, Daddy, why? Why did you allow this to hurt me? So I have to get ahead of it. I have to upset her and hurt her a little bit in the moment to save her so much pain later. I take away the opportunity to have the thing that's fun and exciting and new 
so that she is saved the pain that would come later. And I struggle with this. Maybe you don't, and God bless you. I struggle with this. Because I, I'm going to tell you how arrogant I am. I'm like, well, God, if you had all the power, you could choose a path. Like, I've done this. Old punk Todd that kind of wants to argue about everything still makes these arguments to myself, and then God reminds me. Well, I mean, if God was really good and all-powerful, he could choose a way that didn't hurt. Here I go again. See, I'm again assuming that I see every path, not realizing, right, that would be like me saying, okay, Daisy, you can never go into the room where the fan is. You can never go into that room. That's the only way I could prevent her from desiring the fan. You get what I mean? So then I rob her of what? This game that we play, which, again, I tell you all about my daughter, right, where, where like, <laughs> somehow I'm going into family things, but it would rob her of other fun. And that's us. Well, God, you could have made it. Yeah, Todd, you could have been saved the pain of what you went through, but then you would have never seen all these other miracles that happened too up to that moment. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's easy in the moment, that if, I'd have, if he would have just went up to the deaf guy and said, hey, buddy, you know, I don't know how to sign language, but hey, buddy, probably can't even speak his language, don't worry your, your deafness is for your good. You're probably not going to get that, right? At the moment, because he, he didn't know God. See, for some people, they have to recognize God's power right? to recognize his love. Oh, man, I get so frustrated. <laughs> I get frustrated at people that are more like me, some of you guys. You're the people who's, oh, I'm like, why are you here? Because you don't want to be here, and I can so obviously tell. Todd, you can't tell. Yeah, I can. I've done this long enough now. All right? There's only about three types of people. All right? There's sleepy, dopey, and doc. I'm just kidding. There's, right? There's sleepy and grumpy, and then the person right, that, that is here listening. I never understand that. I'm not making fun of sleepy people. At that moment, I'm thinking about the people that just are like, God, get done, which makes me want to go longer, by the way. I'll, I, I just makes me want to go longer, 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 because I am so petty. <clears throat> If we believe that God wants the best for us, that God has the power, I want to come back to the whole point of all this. Why do we take away the miraculous? Jesus went to his hometown, right, famous, famous, we all know this story, and he didn't perform any miracles there, that's what it said. He didn't perform many. And he said, a prophet is not welcome in his own town. Prophet is not welcome in his own town, right? Another time he says, why didn't he do a lot of miracles? The people's faith wasn't there. They didn't trust him. You know, Jesus is, is really, life is the symbolism of Jesus standing at this door saying, I want you to follow me through this. And if you follow me through this, it's going to be the most incredible thing you ever saw. But some of us will sit and look, and there's, it's a mess back there. It's better, Gina. We can get out in the fire. It is better, right? But it's a mess back there. And a lot of us will look and go, well, I'm not going until that's cleaned up. I'm not going until I can't trip over this or trip over that. When the reality is we're missing out on the miraculous because we're too afraid to take the next step. And sometimes the next step is just asking him and believing he will move. So your marriage is, is, is in a bad spot right now. It's a common one. I don't even have to know a situation to know that's true. I know statistics. Now, some of your marriages are really bad, meaning it's like you're in a place of conflict. And some of your marriages are bad only in your hearts. You just exist together, right? 
And it's like, this is all it'll ever be. Well, that's it, all it'll ever be on your own. Well, they'll never change. You're right. They'll never change on their own. Have you invited God into that? Now, here's the reason. God miraculously moved in my marriage, and then guess what the beauty is? If you believe that good comes from that, guess what happens? You get to let it go. Because you know whatever happens, whatever happens is going to be a miracle. It's going to be good. It is. But you have to believe. You have to believe at least as much as a leper that didn't have the Holy Spirit that says that guy might be able to do it. He's still active in our lives. He has to be. There's never a point in the Bible, I'm going to tell you something, I don't care what you think, where God said in the New Testament, I am no longer going to move in the lives of my people. It doesn't say that anywhere. But we, in America particularly, believe that. Not, not, no one's going to say it, but that's the unspoken truth about our faith. Okay, I'm not going to ask God to do too many crazy, miraculous things, because, I mean, let's not set him up for failure. And that's why some of you, we're going to tie back, you're waiting for more bread. That's why it doesn't matter what he did. It doesn't matter that he was raised from the dead. It doesn't matter that he changed your life. It doesn't matter that you're still alive. It doesn't matter all of those things he did for your life because he's not doing this, the next thing as fast as you want him to do it. He still meets our needs. And I cling to that verse. You know, in Real Talk, we had this Ask Thursday. You know, it's a verse that you stuck with. And Romans 8, 1 was, my, was a verse that I stuck, really Romans 8. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation in Christ. Romans 8.18, because I, right, uh, I believe that our present sufferings are not worthy to, compa- to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And then Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I believe that in a moment in my life when things were darkest, my faith was strongest when I had nothing, and I watched him miraculously move, and I, I mean miraculously move, when I had nothing and was homeless and all these crazy things that people think I'm just telling a pastor story, which actually angers me because I lived it. That's a fact. He gave it back to me, moved miraculously, and yet I still doubt him because he's not moving as fast as I want it. And what's interesting about that time back then, when I, why do I envy that kid when he was such an idiot? <laughs> because that idiot believed. I got to the point back then when I stopped worrying about whether I was going to have a home or whether I was going to get my girlfriend back or my family's coming back together or getting to college. I truly did. I just wanted to follow him because I knew some crazy cool stuff were about to happen. And guess what happened? Crazy cool stuff. Miraculous things happened when I let go of my way being the only way to go and I was willing to go through the door. And the door for some of you is getting on your knees and praying to your God. But you're too smart for that, right? He doesn't, he, he doesn't respond to prayer. We don't have hope because we don't believe in his love. And because we don't believe in his love, we don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, then we don't trust that the miracles come. Which is why you show up to church and you fall asleep and you get upset and you're waiting for me to get done so you can go to eat, eat a taco. And why, you know, that's, that's why it happens. That's why it happens for me. That's why this stops being special. The moment that I stop believing in the miracle workers, the moment this just becomes religion, and if it's just religion, I'm terrible at it. I know that, and I don't want to go and do something I'm terrible at. But if I believe, if you believe, just play make-believe. 
I have a good imagination. Do you? Anyone have a good imagination still? Wow, four people. You guys got to read a book or do something. Like, you're in trouble. No wonder. <laughs> I'm serious. That was the saddest thing I've ever seen. Well, I don't have one. <laughs> no wonder you don't believe. You're like, there's nothing possible. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to have to, like, act it out for you here. This is why we like movies. I understand. Um, if Jesus were here now, he's sitting right here. And he says, hey, I got something to tell you. Some of you that believe. He's right here. You know it's him. Just, I know you, at some point in your life you had imagination. Just go back there. He's sitting right here. You know it's him. What would you ask him for? What would you ask him for? You knew it was him. He proved it. I don't know. Maybe he healed a leper in front of you. What would you ask him for? Okay, you ready? Why don't you ask him? He's still here. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. That sounds good, Todd. No, it's reality. It's either real or it's not. And I'm not following something that's not real. If he told you to go, he's standing here, he said, follow me through the door. Some of you controllers. And you might still be scared, but would you walk? Would you go? Man, if I was walking on water like Peter, I'd never doubt. The greatest miracle in the world is some of your guys' transformed lives and you still doubt. If I sit and remember the miracles God has in my life, and I mean this, this I, again, I'm going to tell you right now, I am not a good pastor, so this, I cannot do good pastor talk. This is a fact. If I, let, if I sit and I believe, I would, I would never doubt him. Isn't it ironic that if Todd today saw the miracles that I already experienced happen again, I would never doubt. Till the next time, right? So I'm going to help you today. Are you willing to believe that God still moves actively in your life? Do you really believe that? The answer is no for some of you. I'm just going to tell you. The answer is no. Why? Well, you can't. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just going to keep saying the same thing. So I'm going to talk to the people that, need, that are actually needing to hear this, okay? I want to hear this. God is still active today. He's the same God. He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Why did he say that to all of the people that he met? Why did he say that when he came uh, to, to, you know, every generation, he would say, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Why? What was he reminding them of? I'm the same God. I'm the same God. Here's the beauty. This Americanized Jesus, this Americanized God that has no power, that you have neutered and made to where he, he is just a, a symbol, he is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Peter and Paul and everyone else. He is still that God, and he is your God. You don't follow a powerless dead man. You follow the living God who moves he didn't save you, throw you in the world, and then walk away. And now you're like, man, I, I can't wait till he comes back. He's still here. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never let go of one of these that you've given to me. Your life, my life can change if I live out of that. How many miracles do we miss because we won't go through the door? How many miracles do we miss because we won't follow after Jesus and believe as much as a leper? 
who didn't even have the Holy Spirit that some of you have, that I have. We're so spoiled. And the irony is we live so spoiled that we miss these incredible things. So I got a list for you, all right? You want a miracle? Do you want a miracle? Do you have something in your life? What is a miracle? Well, it's something that you know can't be, it cannot be fixed unless something God moves. I knew a person in my life, I have a family member, those of you close to me, I would say their name, but I've realized I share too much of my life and it's other people's lives and I shouldn't do that. But there's a guy in my life that I knew, very close to me, a relative, and I promise you, there was zero hope in my life this man would ever come to know Jesus. Zero. And I hate to even admit that to you. Zero hope until he met Jesus. And some of you remember this, right? I, called, I told some of you guys, called some of you, he's like, you're not going to believe what happened. This guy asked me to come, drives all the way to this church on, I don't care, it was like a Wednesday at 9, I need to talk to you. I feel like Jesus is asking me to follow him. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. He goes, no, 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 I don't think you get it. Like, I feel like he's literally asking me to follow you. He's like, yes, I do get it. And now he's saved. It's a miracle. You know how many times I preached the gospel to this person? I can't even tell you how many times. But the only way he was going to be saved was me. Here's your list. You want to see miracles. You want, you want to cling to and remember. You have to remember who God is. You have to remember. So what is that? Number one, he is God. And I put is in all caps. You probably, yeah, you see that? Good. He is God. You want, in order to believe in miracles, you have to recognize that he is all-powerful. He can do anything and everything that is, you can even possibly think of. There is nothing too big. There is nothing too small. There was a person healed just from touching him because they believed. In the Bible, that happened. He is God. So I'm going to stop. See, some of you need, that's your thing. You need to remember he's God. You're not. First step. Number two, he loves you. How much does he love you? As much as you love the thing or person that you love most in this world, he loves you more than that. Number three, he has good for you. If he loves you and he has good for you, and you have a need, why would he not meet it? Why would he not meet it? And number four, he is still here. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is still here. She's going to come play music. And I get it, guys. This wasn't as cleared up and clean. She's going to move fast, too. We're going to clear it up and clean, <laughs> clean as uh, it normally is. Why do why the incredible stories we hear of God moving in other countries inspire us so much? Because it gives us hope that that God is still my God. And somewhere in our hearts, we know that to be true, but we don't live in that in the daily. I'm talking about everything, whether it's marriage, whether it's finances. I've seen him move. There's people in here right now, I'm going to tell a story, and I hope it impacts him. I've seen a guy with no money when a great uncle he'd never met said, I felt God telling me to send you money, and that dude still doubts sometimes. When I watched miraculously $1,000 come to this dude, it impacted me more than him, I feel like. Because it's never enough, right? Well, if you give me $10,000, i will believe God. I've, I've seen it. I saw a man <laughs> who was into occult stuff, this man I told you about, come to know Jesus. 
I've seen him take me, a broken, messed up, chubby, southern kid from the trailer court, from the wrong side, you know, of the railroad tracks and allow me, despite the world saying that he's done with me, continue to allow me the grace to preach his word. That's not because I'm good enough, it's because he is. See, I just get to be a part of him showing off and I just get to benefit from it. I love when they say he's done with me. Because I just get to go, man, when? Do I live in fear that sometimes? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen this church, man. I've seen a building come to, to us when we got kicked out and it came to the very last day. The very last day. You don't believe that. I've seen the great burrito miracle. Right, 2014, some of you go, what? Come and ask me about it. I saw it. You can laugh all you want. I saw a burrito miracle. Sounds ridiculous. Come and ask me, I'll tell you. Or ask someone that's been here. Raise your hand if you were here for that. James, you were here. Jack was here. Yeah, go ask them. They'll tell you about it. Zach, yeah, go ask them about it. Craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was burritos. How small is that? Guys, I, the world is dark and scary. And man, if God isn't in control, how do we get up in the morning? And if God is in control, then that means he hasn't left. And if he hasn't left, he's still here. And if he's still here, do you think he's going to sit and watch those he loves suffer needlessly? Maybe in the short term, right? And when I pick up Daisy and carry her out of the room so she can't stick her finger in the fan, she's suffering in that moment. I know we laugh about it, but for her little mind, that's suffering. But I'm willing to do that, make her mad in the moment because I love her enough not to have her finger hurt. It's not going to kill her, but I don't even want her finger to hurt. The Father loves you that much. Some of you live in a faith that's dead. Oh, my gosh, i got to get up. That's because you stopped believing in the God of miracles. You're waiting for some perfect situation, you know, you're trying to find some perfect place to meet him. You're trying to say, man, if I go to the right church, if I go to the right place, if I go somewhere perfect, I'll meet him and see him and he'll move. No, you can go anywhere you want until you turn around and remember he's right there. Until you are willing to get on your knees and ask him, you'll still be seeking something that's always been there. Some of you, the miracle is you need your faith restored. Some of you need to forgive. Your heart's hard. What's the miracle in your life? What have you given up on? That's the thing you need God to move in. What's the thing you've given up on? That's the thing I dare you to ask him to move in. Because that's where the miracle is. If you're in the room and you don't know God, you don't know Jesus, you're like, I know who he is. Yeah, but you know what I mean you couldn't say if you died today you can't say if you died today that you will be in front of Jesus and he'll say well done my good and faithful servant come on in if you can't say that you need to listen to me now the greatest miracle that ever started that ever existed that God has ever done started with some really bad news and the really bad news is you're a sinner so am I what does that mean? It means we have rebelled against God. We do what he tells us not to do and don't do what he tells us to do. It don't matter how good you think you are. It don't matter how much you think, how smart you think you are. It doesn't matter how much you chase. It doesn't matter how much money you have. How many, if you've got that girl, it doesn't matter if that drug, that bottle. It does not matter. You can't fix yourself. 
me either. So not only is our life, all the bad things that happen come when we wander away from the creator, right? I'm sticking my hand in a lot of fans. Not only that, but I have an eternity waiting for me. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. I'm a pretty good person. Well, unless you're a perfect person, you're in trouble. The wages of sin is death. The Bible says you are storing up wrath for yourself. Every day you go on. Every day you rack up more in that penalty. Every moment, every second, every thought you have that's evil is racking up the debt higher and higher. You can't pay it and you know it. That's why you run around trying to drown yourself, right, in the bottle, the drug, the bed, whatever it is, because you're trying to get away from the fact that you can't fix what's happened. Me either. Well, here's the miracle. When we're separated from God, hell is real, and that is the destination of those that choose it. What do you mean? God sent people to hell. No, no, you're choosing it. You're walking off the cliff. He's the one telling you the way off. And in your stubbornness, and in your hurt, and in your mistrust, because people have hurt you, you just say, no, I can't believe that. I'd rather go here so I can feel in control. Death is assured, guys. Everyone's going to die. Just whether or not you die twice. So, we're all destined for hell, that's it. There has to be, the penalty has to be paid or God would not be just anymore. He has to be. He's perfect and he's good and he's just. Make no mistake, you deserve his wrath. You do, me too. Listen to me, I'm probably worse than you. I deserve his wrath. I do. Today I deserve. The miracle is, is that when I had no hope, when we had no hope, when humanity had no hope, when we couldn't make our way to him, God came to us. Jesus Christ is God made flesh. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, here, who taught us the way, who taught us the truth, who showed us what love looked like, who told us the way of God, who reminded us of the kingdom. This is the real heart of God, all those things. And you can't say, oh, I know the God of the Bible and he's bad if you've never read it because the world's not going to tell you who he really is. You think they're going to tell you who he really is? They don't want you to know him. They want you to think that he's the hateful person and he's, he despises you. They want you to think that so that you'll walk off the cliff. Because the person they follow wants to take as many with them as he can. That's what Jesus did, and that would be awesome. He told us this is the way. Over there is the kingdom where perfect beauty and love and miracles are, where good is. There's a place and a time when there won't be any pain. But you have to get there, and in the way to get there, you got to pay your penalty. you got to pay right your ticket. But you can't. You don't have enough money, me either. Because even if you cleaned up today, what happens when you mess up tomorrow? So Jesus did something incredible. You don't have to understand it. He died on the cross. He did. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He died on the cross. And in that moment, he took the, the penalty that you deserve. Not just the physical death, though it was horrible, wasn't it? He took that, that spiritual death in a way, right? He truly was alone. He experienced what hell would feel like to a degree, right? Because he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, God, every, it doesn't matter if you even believe, God has never fully turned his back on you what he did on Jesus. And then Jesus died and was raised from the dead three days later. He defeated death so you can too. And here's the good news. Here's the miracle. Jesus said, right, the Bible says, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? From hell. But it's not just that. If you come to Jesus today, and you say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I, don't, I, I know I've, made, I've done wrong. I need what you offer me. He will take your sin 
nail it to that cross, and he will give you the benefits of his perfect life. You will be changed. The Bible says in that moment you will be transformed. What do you mean? I gotta quit, but don't I have to quit drinking, smoking, sleeping around? Don't I have to quit? No, no. In the midst of our sin, the Bible says he will come to you. Right now, today, he can do this. He will transform your life. He will seal you with the Holy Spirit, which means he'll never leave you. Nobody can take it away from you. Not the snobby, rich Christian down the street and not the smiling guy on TV. Nobody can take it from what, take from you what he gives you. And he'll never let you go. That's what he promised. And then you have the promise that he will never let you go, that he'll still be in your life, that he will lead you, guide you, change you, miraculously move in your life in ways, guys, I promise you, you'll never even fathom. But you got to be willing to, to die to yourself, to give up the pride, to ask him for this gift that wasn't free, but he offers freely to you. So there's going to be people up here willing to pray. Whether you're the person in the room that's given up on miracles, remember the thing I said, what's the thing that you don't ask him for because it's impossible? Will you ask him today? Will you believe it? I'm scared for you. Not in a bad way, like, ooh, Mufasa kind of way, right? He's going to move in a mighty way. And if you're in the room and you don't know, Jesus, please listen to me. You, tomorrow's not promised. Two hours aren't promised from now. Don't leave here without knowing him. There's people up here. They're good people. I wouldn't send jerks up here. Right? And they're going to pray with you. And who cares what people think about you? Because I did the same thing. The only difference between anyone you know, these Christians, and you is Jesus. And you can handle that and change that and fix that today. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in. Because if you do, you're choosing to do that.